Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy Rock preaches a sermon titled The Armor of God from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. Martin Luther King Jr. once wrote, The ultimate measure of a follower of Jesus is not when they stand in moments of comfort and convenience, but when they stand at times of challenge and controversy. When those around you are angry, stand and be strong in the Lord by both receiving and giving away His gentleness, compassion, and kindness. When you feel confused and lost, run to your Heavenly Father in prayer, standing in the hope that He gives wisdom to any of His children who ask for it. Well, let's preach a sermon, yeah? We're in the last chapter of the book of Ephesians. How about that? I'm going to stretch this out for two weeks. I promise, then we'll land the plane. Uh, but we, if you are new or visiting with us this morning, welcome. Uh, we are so glad that you're here. And there are so many new people here. So if you look around, just realize that everybody's new. Um, except Susan and George. They've been here for 20 years. But everybody else here is new. Uh, so we are so glad that you guys are here. We believe three things as a church, and we say this every week. Uh, number one, there's always hope beyond our brokenness. Uh, no matter where we are in our life, God loves you, and he has a plan to restore you right now. Right now. And there's nothing that will get in that way of his plan. He's in the business of making dead people alive. He can handle your issues. Amen? Amen. The second thing we believe in is that we're called together to trust our risen Savior. Uh, so our faith isn't an idea. It is a relationship with the living, breathing God of the universe. And we learn how to do that together. And so we walk together. We stand together. We, we pray together. We worship together. We give together. This is a family. Church is not an organization that you show up at. It's a family that you belong to. Amen? Amen. And so we trust Jesus. We learn how to do that together. And then finally, and you guys are amazing at this, we bring restoration everywhere we go. That's what we do. And we do this as a church, but then also you're doing it in your lives as well. I mean, you're loving your neighbors and caring for your coworkers and blessing your kids and your grandkids and just loving the people around you. And it's making all the difference in the world. But also, I mean, what Debbie said this last year, we, we now have the largest women's ministry on the Central Coast. I don't know how this little church did that, but that's, the, that's why De Debbie is called the Minister of Razzle Dazzle, because that's what she do. And then the men's ministry is starting. You know that we had a dozen guys here on Christmas morning praying? That there is an, a revival happening in the hearts of our men right now, which is absolutely incredible. They were here on Saturday praying at 6.30. And for all of you who have children at home, and me including, uh, you know, we were there in spirit. Um, and on top of that, like, we're bringing restoration to it with furniture. Our furniture business is a, is a strange business. We receive furniture from hotels because they have to get rid of it every five years. And then we give it away for free. That's our business model. <laughs> we are working to get community partnerships so that we don't bear all the costs right now, but that's one of been the big expenses this year is that you guys have literally transformed families, over, I think, 40 families now have a home and furniture in their home because of you. 
So it makes, your giving makes all the difference in the world. So each one of these things that we do, and James is going to do it this week as he gives away change for a dollar. Incredible. Each one of these truths of hope beyond our brokenness and trusting in our risen Savior and bringing restoration has a choice attached to it. And we say this every week, and let's just declare it together. Today, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first, and I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. And every day we choose that. Every day we choose that to follow Jesus. So I have a question for you. Can I have permission to speak to your heart of hearts this day? Because we're on the passage of Ephesians where it's talking about spiritual warfare. So if you are falling asleep or you think about squirrel or you're distracted, today's going to be that day. But I believe that uh, God is here and he loves you. And today we're going to be talking about standing and standing together. And so uh, it's so important. Before I get into the sermon, I need to clarify something real quick because I had a bunch of people come and talk to me about this two weeks ago when I preached. So two weeks ago, we were talking about submitting to one another, which is Ephesians chapter 5. And in the second service, I said, submitting to others can be hard because sometimes you put them first, but sometimes those people that you love and you submit to and that you're, you're caring for, sometimes they die, sometimes they leave, sometimes they choose another person. And then that's and what I said. And then everybody asked me afterwards, either A, am I dying? Or B, has April chosen another person? And I just want to let you know that not everything I say applies to me in my sermons, okay? I I was literally thinking of the people in the room in the second service who had lost people or their spouses had moved on to another. So that's why I said what I said. And I've been vulnerable with you. I will continue to be vulnerable with you. And when it applies to me, I I do this. So that's my signal. Is that okay? Picking up what we're putting down? Great. Okay. So Jesus, protect us, bless us, fill this place with your spirit. We say to our own souls, awaken, O my soul. And we just bind and mute the enemy that's in this place or on us. Now, by the blood of Jesus, not today, devil, and we cast the enemy off of us and out of this place. Now, go to Jesus to be judged. You guys agree? Okay, so Ephesians chapter 5, this is all about submitting to one another, right? And these are the verses that we kind of go, ooh, I don't know what that means. Verse 21, submit to one another. Verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands. Later in the verse, husbands, love your wives, submit to your wives. And so we talked about what that looks like, that, that word submit, like submarine, right? Sub means under. Is when you come underneath a person to love and support them and care for them, you put them first. You decide together as a family, either as a married couple or in your family or at work, that you are going to work towards something greater than yourselves. You're going to set aside your selfishness for one moment or for all of the moments, and you are going to agree to submit to that other person, to put them first, so that you can do something that's bigger and better than you. That's the idea of submission. Make sense? It's hard. It's hard to do that. But that's why Paul talks about it at the end of Ephesians. Now, in the beginning of chapter 6, end of 5, beginning of chapter 6, Paul's going to give two more examples about what to do that as kids and parents. 
And then also what to do when you're in a position of power over another person, whether that's a boss or a leader, and what to do when you are under someone's leadership. How do you submit? I'm going to skip those verses for the sake of time, but all of them have the exact same example. Because Jesus submitted to us and put us first, we do the same. You picking up what Paul's putting down? Great. So it's within this context of submitting to each other and loving each other just as Jesus loves us that Paul begins this last section of his letter to the church in Ephesus, which is all about spiritual warfare. And you probably heard this verse before, but let's declare it and read it out loud together. Are you ready? Read with me. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally. <laughs> finally. Finally. Let's talk about what that word means for a second. Why does Paul say finally? It's different than the word therefore, right? Finally is this idea that Paul is pulling together every single concept that he's talked about for this entire letter, and he wants to sum it up in just a couple of brief paragraphs. Finally, be strong in my power. Is that what Paul says? What does he say? Finally, be strong. Oh, okay. And then what? In his mighty power. So Ephesians chapter 1, you're adopted, you're chosen, you're forgiven, you're claimed by God. Be strong in your identity in Christ. Don't let that go. Don't just give up that inheritance for what someone else has said about you. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 2, you were lost and now you're found. You were dead, you were now you're alive. You breathed in disobedience, you exhaled rebellion, and now God in his mercy has saved you and loved you and forgiven you by grace alone and has seated you by his side to love you from now until all eternity. That's Ephesians chapter 2. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You are in a story in which God is living in you. You don't need to operate alone anymore. Somebody say amen. That means I agree in Aramaic. Oh, you're speaking Aramaic this morning. <laughs> Ephesians 3, let Christ dwell in your hearts by faith. That's the whole point of, look, stop trying to do this alone. Chapter 4, live a life worthy of the gospel. Don't just say, oh yes, I believe in God, and then go completely back to living alone, Right? which we all do. The person who's elbowing you wants you to remember that. <laughs> we all do. But Paul's saying, be, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Remember, let Jesus in. Let him in. Chapter 5, we just talked about this. Be strong in his power. You cannot submit to someone else and love them and put them first if you're constantly scraping and crawling and grabbing and trying to get what you need because you don't believe anybody is going to actually love you. You have to let God love you. You have to let other people love you. It's scary. It's scary. I got friends who are trying to, who are, who are choosing to let each other love them. It's wild. They're having a blast. <laughs> It's scary. It's scary. 
But you cannot be strong in the Lord if you're not letting him love you. (laughs) Finally, well, okay, great. How do you do this? Oh, Paul will answer that question. Are you ready? Here it is, verse 11. Read this with me. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So what's the devil's schemes? It's to rob you of your identity, Ephesians chapter 1. It's to try and make you earn God's love, Ephesians chapter 2, or dig yourself out of the hole by yourself. It's to not let God dwell richly in your hearts, Ephesians chapter 3. It's to try and always looking at how much lint you have to clean out of your belly button so you're only focused on yourself. That's the devil's schemes. In other words, to kill what God has given you, to rob the inheritance that you have, and to destroy your effectiveness and your life. That's what the devil's schemes are. I don't know if you know this, but we're in a spiritual battle. Did you know that? Did you know that like, it, like, spiritual warfare is not for like faraway countries? It's here, y'all. It's right here. It's here. I remember as a teenager waking up in the middle of the night, having some evil presence over me and me being choked out. And I couldn't say anything, but my tongue was swollen. I couldn't even speak. I don't know if this has ever happened to you before. I couldn't even speak. And, then, and I just heard this loud voice in my ear say, speak the name of Jesus now. And through a swollen tongue, I started saying the name of Jesus. And then all of a sudden, the evil thing left me. That happened multiple times in my life. I'm like, what is going on, Jesus? And he's like, well, you're starting a Bible, school, Bible study at your junior high. And it got so bad, the attacks got so bad, I had no idea how to pray through it. I, did, I was totally alone in it that I stopped doing the Bible study in my junior high. I don't know if you know this, but you're in a spiritual battle. That spiritual battle will last for your entire life until you're in heaven. I never understood that the enemy hated me. Did you know that? He don't like you. No, no. Uh, The enemy wants to rob from me every good thing that Jesus has given me. And I can look back at my life. I don't know if you've known this, but if you look back at your life, every time that you tried to draw close to God, every time that you tried to pray, every time that you tried to worship, the enemy was there trying to make that difficult, trying to stop that. Does that make sense? Why is it that you're here right now and you're very tempted to fall asleep? (laughs) At any other point at 10.02 a.m., are you narcoleptic? No, it is only at church. Why? The enemy don't want you to listen to what's going on. So we just bind up everything opposed to Jesus that's trying to make us sleepy now in Jesus' name. Do you guys agree? Shrug your shoulders. Wake up. Here we go, right? See, this is the thing, is that like the enemy does not want you to draw close to God. When you have a season of fruitfulness or faithfulness in your life, chaos, temptation, outside, I mean, it's like all of a sudden there's, but now the moment that you say, fine, I'll just watch Netflix, everything gets easy. Hmm. Hmm. It's almost like the moment that you stick your head out of trench warfare, they're starting shooting at you. They're fine if you're dead. The enemy's fine if you don't have, if you've not picked up anything and you're not doing anything. 
The enemy loves to say to you, when Debbie says, hey, we need your support, the enemy will say to you, someone else will do it. Someone else will pray. Someone else will give. Someone else will do that. That's not, that's not me. That's the enemy literally taking you out of the fight of your life. When we pray together, when we stand together, when we give together, when we focus our attention on rescuing someone out of the pit of their hell, we are an unstoppable tidal wave of light and love and God's presence. We did Susan Reeves Memorial on Saturday. Susan Reeves struggled with brain cancer for 12 years. We had 150 people who had never been in this church sitting in this place, and person after person who gave the eulogy, her daughters and her best friend, they all said the same thing. This church loves Susan Reeves like nobody else in their entire life. We remodeled her bathroom so that she could live in her home. We paid her debts so that she could live in her home while she was going through chemotherapy so that she could have her grandkids here. 150 people got witness to your incredible generosity. All because we decided as a church, we are going to love this woman. I mean, Susan was hilarious. We're at the prayer retreat. We're talking, people are praying. They're like, Lord, you know, fill me up with your presence. And she would whisper, that's what she said. (laughs) She's sitting there at UCSF getting chemotherapy. She's hitting on male nurses, asking for their numbers. Hilarious. absolutely hilarious woman, right? There's something about Susan's life where the enemy was trying to rob her of her joy, trying to rob her of her love, and she said no. She stood against the schemes of the enemy to rob every good thing that God had given her. Does that make sense? So put on your armor. And all, you ready? I'm gonna show you how. Repeat after me. Jesus. Jesus. Armor, please. please. There you go. (laughs) Not hard. Take back what the enemy has taken. The enemy wants to take your joy, to take your life, to take your hope, to take your peace, to take your faith, to take your prayers, to take your, your identity, who you are. And let's be real clear who the enemy is. It's not the Kansas City Chiefs. Sorry, I'm gloating. (laughs) It's not the political party that you can't stand. Don't make it that. It's not greedy politicians or soulless corporations or foreign governments or the Illuminati. It might be the Illuminati. (laughs) It's not your annoying neighbor. The enemy is not even the evil person or the person that did evil that hurt you. Paul says this, verse 12, read this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Pause. We stink at that. We want our struggle to be against people. We want to make people the problem rather than the problem the problem. That is not scriptural. Your problems are not about them. Your problems are your own, and the enemy wants to wreck you with your problems. Read it again. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. 
Rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, those are all categories of, um, in the Greek, it's all categories of demonic spiritual rulers in this realm. Does that make sense? Okay. Your enemy is the devil and all his demons. Hate the devil, not people. You're allowed to hate the devil. Did you know that? It's okay. Jesus doesn't like him either. <laughs> Fight against the devil, not people. Demolish the devil, not people. Destroy the enemy's plans, not people. How do you do that? You make the problem a problem, not the person the problem. Paul has taken five chapters to explain how to do this in wonderful detail. And what he's saying is, look, there's a Jesus way to deal with the evil in this world. And then there's the world's way. The world's way is you make the person the problem and you destroy and flatten them. Jesus says, make the enemy the enemy, the, the devil, the enemy of your soul. Make that. And the, how do you do that? You Remember who you are. You pray, you worship, you do it together, you forgive, just like you've been forgiven. You love, you submit. This is what you let Jesus dwell in your heart. This is not easy. Someone say amen. amen. Because we're used to using tools, resentment, anger, frustration, irritation, entitlement, selfishness, pride. We're, we have those tools. We were given those tools. We, we've seen those tools in action. And so we know how to use those tools. And what Paul's saying is put down those tools and stand in who you are in Christ and take up our struggle. Don't, don't use those tools on people. Use new tools, the tools that Jesus has given you. And here's the thing. Um, we hear this message and we go, fantastic. I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to, 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 I'm going to. That's called Lone Ranger time, right? Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. Hi-ho, silver, right? But what we do is that we think in our individualistic mind is I'm going to stand against the enemy's schemes by myself. So we have this image of us on our knees at the end of our bed, praying, praying, praying. That, what that is, you know what that is? That's called you getting wiped out. We are not standing alone every single word in uh, every single verb is, tr is translated second person plural. You know what that is in um, English? Only the South has given us that gift. It's all y'all. It's all y'all. All y'all, our struggles not against flesh and blood. We, we, we do this together. The enemy knows. The enemy is scheming, scheming to get us to do it alone, right? This is why we stand together united. This is why we tell each other, hey, we need your financial support now. This is why we, we pray together now. This is why you guys come to the church and say, oh my gosh, I need financial help now. And the church responds. This is why we call each other and go, I'm dying in a pile. Please pray for me. We do this together, never alone. Amen? Amen. Paul then drives home the point even further. Therefore, read this with me. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Now, we're going to get to that next week, and we'll talk about all the things. Not this week, okay? Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Keep on reading with me. 
so that when the day of evil comes, say it loud, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, there's a word that's repeated, stand, stand. Four times in three verses, Paul says stand. I wonder if he's trying to tell us something. Mm-hmm. Stand. What's God's job and what's our job? Okay? Our job is to stand. Why does Paul say it four times? It's because we get knocked down. Right? Oh, come on. We get knocked down. These past four, four months, I've been knocked down all the time. Right? I feel like, some, like I'm getting sucker punched all the time. Right? The enemy has been scheming. He knows that if he can get me to carry all my burdens myself, I'll drown. And guess what? That's exactly what I've done. I will pray with you that you will release, God's bur- release your burdens to God, but then I think that doesn't apply to me. Have, have you ever thought about that? You can tell other people, oh, God loves you. What are you talking about? You're forgiven. You're loved. Just trust him with it. Now, I can't do that, but you can. But the enemy knows that if I carry everything all by myself, that I will drown. And so that's what I've done. I've gotten knocked down. The enemy has been studying me and you for a long time, and we get knocked down. Now, and this applies to me. This is a, sometimes you don't even want to get up anymore. You ever been there? You've just been so hit so hard so often, you just feel like, I'm just going to be done for a while. It all feels too much. And like Kurtz preached about last week, what an epic sermon that was. Watched online, I'm all crying. Like, why are you talking to me? Right? Like Elijah, we run. Even in victory, right? Even like, oh, God did so much. And we're like, I'm out, right? We run. So this last week, I took Jonah to school on Monday, and we were waiting. I don't know if I should tell the story in all of its glorious, gory detail. You sure? I'm safe. I don't know. Maybe not. It's online. So I cannot wait for this to be played in 20 years. So Jonah's in diapers. He's an 18-year-old kid in diapers because he's one-year-old in his brain because he had a massive stroke before he was born, and they got his left brain removed at UCLA when he's seven. He's amazing. He's wonderful. He's fantastic. But we do diaper changes on him. And so um, sometimes it's a full-contact sport. Sometimes he arches and does all the things, and he kicks and moves. And he's been jumping on his knees since he's been 18 years old. And I don't know if you've ever done that, where you've been on your knees, and you lift yourself up by your quads. But when you do that for 18 years, you are the, mo- the strongest person on planet Earth. Um, and so I'm changing him, and he's posting up and moving. And I was a high school and college wrestler, so I got all the moves. I'm doing all this. But it requires core strength, right? And I'm doing core strength. And I had woken up late, and I'm trying to get Jonah and changing him, all the kind of stuff. And him changing his number two in front of me and trying to not get it all over me, but it's not working. It's all on the carpet and all that kind of stuff. And I squeeze my stomach to try and get him to, like, move. And then I go number two.
That's how Monday started. Immediately I call, I'm like, we're going to be late. We're just done. We're going to be late. Screaming at Levi, you're going to be late to school. Where are the wipes? Right? So that was a great way to start a Monday. Anyways, so we finally get to school, and in the school, you got to, like, ring the doorbell, right, to, like, uh, you know, to get in, and because uh, the school's locked down since I am late, right? And, uh, and the, the teacher opens the classroom door, and Jonah drops down to the ground so he could play with entrance mats. If you ever have an, a mat in the front of your house, he will do this for two hours, uh, he loves mats. I don't know why. Um, and so, again, Jonah has a different atomic mass. I think he has more neutrons in each one of the nuclei in his body, but he weighs more than anybody else I've ever met, right? His 180 pounds at five foot one is like, it, it's impossible to pick up. Now, when he was four, eight, 11 years old, no problem. I could pick him up great, right? But he'll be 19 in May. And so I tried to pick him up to try and get him like, hey, come on, Jonah, he's playing with the mat. And like, hey, come on, Jonah, he's playing. I tried to get him up and he pulled the three-year-old, <laughs> right? And at that point, with how the morning had gone, I was like, I looked at his teacher, I'm like, have fun, <laughs> right? I was all done. And I get in the car and Jesus says to me, Andy, you're being like Jonah. And I was like, oh my gosh. Sometimes you just get knocked down and, and then you're just done. What does it look like for me to not stand in my life? It looks like I don't take time throughout the day to let Jesus love me. Do you do that? It looks like I don't hand Jesus the things, because things happen to us all throughout the day, right? Heartache, burdens, frustrations, people say, and do dumb stuff, right? And I hold that rather than going, God, it's yours. That's what, that's what weighs me down and then knocks me down. So what does it look like to stand when you pray? Are you ready? Your grammar matters. You don't tell the enemy to leave by saying, please. He'll just say, no, thank you. <laughs> this is how you tell the enemy to leave. Here it is. Next slide. Ready? This is not something that you're asking. It's something that you're commanding. You're declaring, right? You are not speaking to God. You are speaking to the enemy himself. When you stand against the devil's schemes, you actually have to speak to the enemy. And I don't know about you, I can't see the enemy, so I just have to say something like this. I bind and silence anything opposed to Jesus that's attacking or lying to me now in the powerful name of Jesus. Say that again. I bind and silence anything opposed to Jesus that's attacking or lying to me now in the powerful name of Jesus. I command anything opposed to Jesus to leave me right now in Jesus' name and go to Jesus to be judged. You are a kind neighbor when you tell the bad guys to leave you and go to Jesus. Because if you just say leave, you know what they will do? They will go, okay, I've left. Your grammar matters. Don't tell them to go just like go somewhere else. 
Tell them to go to Jesus. He knows what to do with them. Yes? And then finally, Jesus, I need you right now, your presence and your help. Your armor is not your own. I'm going to land the plane just because of time. We're done with our slides. You know something about your armor. Your armor is not your own. It, it, it literally belongs to God. It's a gift from God. And when you stand against what the enemy is doing in your life and for what Jesus is doing in your life, you're waking up to the reality that your fight is not against a person, but against the devil himself. And you're not alone in the fight. Not only do you have armor from God, but you have a massive towering angel right by your side at all times. And he does the fighting. And not only that, what did we sing? Just the name of Jesus wins the day. He is our victor. He is our victory. Jesus is the one who defeated the enemy and made that lion toothless and just a roar. Jesus is the one who paid for our victory and our forgiveness. And all we have to do is to tell the enemy to leave in the name of Jesus. And that's how we're standing in the victory that God has given us. So my question is, is will you stand with me? Oh, good. You guys have, are so amazing. You, you are wrecking the hell of other people's lives with your love, with your prayers, with your generosity, with your goodness. And the enemy does not want that to happen. And so I pray protection over you. I pray blessing over your children and your grandchildren. I pray protection over your homes. I pray protection over your marriages. I pray protection over your investments and your businesses and what's happening next in your life. I pray that the enemy would be would leave you and your family and your homes and all your endeavors now in Jesus' name. And I pray protection over you. I pray blessing over you. And I pray that you would stand, not alone, but together. When the night comes, when you walk through that valley of the shadow of darkness, like Elijah figured out, you are not alone. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, his delight in you, and give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. You guys enjoy the rest of the day. I love you. Come forward for prayer if you want. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 10.40 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.